0: You know, at uh, at the end of the end of each year, usually, probably like after Christmas, right right before New Year's, sometimes you see, I don't know, you see in the paper or you'll see on TV they'll do like a kind of year in the in, year in review stuff, the big stories, uh, and there'll usually be a section where they'll talk about they'll reference the people who died in the past year, uh, famous people, and. Um, it's funny, every time, it seems like almost every time I watch one of those at the end of the year, there's always one or two people on that list that I completely didn't know that they had died. Famous people, like big name people whose, whose death had to have been in the news, maybe even for like a day or two, you know, more than a day or two or three. And I'm always like, how, how did I miss that? How did I not know that this very famous person died? And Anyway, I think I kind of figured it out. Um, I think when that's happened to me, it's when I was away. Um, I was on vacation, uh, even more so if I'm like uh, out of the country away, where I'm just not watching the news. I'm not a huge uh, phone, phone news guy, so it's not like I'm checking that out a whole lot anyway. Um, and what I've done is I'm like, all right, this person died back in July. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was away that week, that's probably why I just wasn't watching a lot of TV and I missed it. Um, anyway, it's sort of like, almost like editing, when you edit something out of a, a story, say. Um, it's like that, those, that event was almost like edited out of my experience. I, mean, I know it happened, but I just kind of missed it. Or it's like watching a movie, you go see a movie in the theater, and... Uh, I don't know, a couple of years later, now it's on TV and decide to watch it again. And they edit it, they cut some scenes out because they want it to be like within two hours. So you're watching it the second time around, and you're like, uh, yeah, I... i the missing, the stuff that's missing, or, or the story doesn't make exactly, doesn't make quite as much sense, because stuff has been cut out, um... edited. I heard this, this past week, um, this quarterback, for the Houston Texans, his name is uh, CJ Stroud. He's having kind of an amazing year, he's a rookie and uh, having a great season. Last Saturday, he beat the uh, Cleveland Browns in a wild card round. And uh, was interviewed on the field after the game. This was the opening question, typical kind of question. Person said, so you're in your first NFL season and now a record-setting performance for you. What does this moment mean? And this is what he said. First of all, I just want to give all glory and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then, right away, talked about playing in Houston for the last year and loving it. Loving the people, loving the city. Talked about people back home. Three different times he said, he talked about how blessed he's been this past season. Anyway, when that first aired, it was live. So uh, anyway, that's exactly what was, you you saw and heard. Subsequent airings of that interview, they edited out the Jesus talk, like it was one sentence. And I said, I watched it, it took like, like not even two seconds, but it was sort of cut out. Um, you know, I'm always when I, when I hear when I hear like athletes do that kind of like the Jesus talk. I always find that a little like that's uh, just sort of like I think a lot of us Catholics like we tend not to. That's kind of a Pentecostal thing, more often than not. You don't really hear Catholics so much, it seems to me, talk that way, that much, that public about their faith. I'm not saying we we deny it. We just don't begin answers to questions with the Jesus stuff. And uh, I don't know, there's something about that that I kind of admire. Um, It used to kind of annoy me a little bit. It was a little bit like, just talk about the game, you know, talk, answer the question. But I don't know so much anymore. Now I'm kind of thinking maybe I had that wrong. Like what this guy's saying is, clearly is saying, there's nothing more important. Yeah, the game was big. This has been a great season. But none of that is more important than Jesus. So I'm going to mention him first. At any rate, interesting, it was edited out. It's like a kind of a crazy sign of the times, isn't it? The things that we're allowed to say publicly now, gross stuff, vulgar stuff, really rude things you can get away with. But talking about Jesus is sort of like, ooh, you know, maybe, maybe we better not do that. It's like, who's in charge? Who's doing the editing? Here's, here's another example, and it's tonight's first reading. We just heard it from Jonah. And uh, it's interesting, we hear, it's, a real, it's not even a big book in the Bible. It's only like three, three or four pages. But we heard the end of it tonight, where it basically says, God, uh, God sent this guy Jonah to Nineveh to go and uh, preach, preach God to the people in Nineveh and he does and they completely repent so it's like this success story the crazy part is this there's so much more to this story and it was kind of edited out for the reading today the beginning of the, the book talks about God calling Jonah and he says I want you to go to this place Nineveh and." preach me, like preach God to these people who are pretty seriously godless. Well, he doesn't. In fact, he does the opposite. He runs in the other, literally in the other direction, jumps on a boat, which is sailing away from Nineveh. There's this crazy storm on the boat. Looks like the boat's going down. The crew on the boat blames Jonah They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by this huge fish, spends three days in the belly of this fish, finally gets spit out, lands on the shore of Nineveh where he was supposed to go, and then tonight's reading kicks in. He goes to Nineveh then, does what God told him to do, and story, a success story. The crazy part is none of that is included in tonight's reading. The whole refusal of the mission, the escape, the fish, the storm. It's not very good editing. And you know, this story, those details I just mentioned, I mean, most of us say, yeah, it's probably not like literally a true story. Like it's probably not historically true that the guy got swallowed by a fish and hung out for three days in his belly. Like, come on. It's not really historically true, but it is filled with truth. Like, it's overflowing with truth. It's just like a parable. They're not literally true, but they're pointing to something positively true. Like this, when God speaks to us, when he's talking to Jonah, we're Jonah. Jonah represents us. So when God speaks to Jonah, he always sends us someplace. God is always sending us on some kind of a mission. Sometimes it's a really serious, like life-changing mission. I want you to do this with your life. I want you to make this big change. Sometimes it's everyday stuff, but he is always sending us somewhere, and he is always talking to us, not just the Jonas of the world. And the places he sends us, Are never very easy he always sends us to difficult places the easy places we already go to (laughs) like we're drawn to the comfortable places the places we want to go the places we want to be we don't need god to push us there we're already there what god often wants us to do is get out of there and go someplace else where we do great things challenging things but great things. You know, think about like the whole uh, notion of like a conscience. You know, we always like, you know, your kid, you're like, what's your conscience? It's sort of like this interior voice, this thing like in your gut that tells you something. Something within that says, yeah, like, hey, this isn't so cool what I'm doing. I need to stop that. I need to start doing this. It's not an actual like voice. Audible thing that we hear, but it's like it's within. I think this conscience is when God speaks. That's what God uses to speak to us. It's sort of like this internal, inner gut thing. We just sort of we know what we ought to be doing. We ought to be going in that direction. And actually, right now, I'm kind of going that way. And there's something in my gut that's like, I know, I know this is like a stupid way to go. I know I ought to go there. Well, that's where God wants me to go. That's the way God speaks to us. And it's always tough. It's often a place we don't want to go. He said to to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Well, that doesn't mean, we don't, what's Nineveh? It's, It's one of these places in the Bible. Who knows what Nineveh is? You know who knew a lot about Nineveh? Jonah and the Israelites. They hated Nineveh. They feared the Ninevites, they were brutal, they were brutal enemies. And it was a couple hundred miles away from where Jonah was. So it was a place, a mission he totally wanted no part of. And he ran away from it and everything hit the fan. Hey, the moral of that part of the story is this. When we do what we want instead of what our conscience, which is God, says to us, things don't end up so well. Like we kind of screw up our lives. Because we're doing what we want as opposed to what God wants. I mean, think about it. Think about it. your conscience. And we're, again, we're saying that's like God. That's God speaking to us. Like, does your conscience ever say to you, go have that second helping of dessert? <gasps> no. Like, conscience is like, don't have the second helping. Does conscience ever say, blow off going to the gym? and just pig out at home. It's like, no. Our conscience is like, do the opposite. And it's, like I said a minute ago, it's almost always something challenging. It's Nineveh. Hey, and some days Nineveh is the gym. Some days Nineveh is, I can't gonna have that second slice pie. It's not like the end of the world challenging, but it's something we don't wanna do. Other times, it is a bigger challenge. Nineveh takes the form of, like, pretty serious stuff. You know, uh, Thomas Merton, he was a, uh, some of you sure know of him, he was a great, great spiritual writer in the last century. He was a Trappist monk. This is what he said, this was his description of conscience. It's the light by which we interpret the will of God in our lives. That's pretty good. It's the light which shows us what God wants of us. And he said this if you're facing two options and one of them is clearly more difficult that's probably the one god wants of you it's this whole Nineveh thing he sends us on missions and they're usually challenging the question is what do i do when i get my marching orders am i accepting the mission am i doing what god wants am i listening to kind of this conscience Voice, or am I Jonah in part one of the story? The one that was edited out where he goes, Sorry, God, I'm not doing that. I'm doing what I want. And he runs away. And he almost dies in the process. I think it's like this You're, uh, you're 30 years old, and you've been dating this person. You've been dating this guy for, oh, this girl for, uh, couple of years. And it's uh, serious. You're getting serious. You are talking marriage. And you love this guy. You wouldn't be with him for 3 or 4 years if you didn't care about him. And you, you more than care about him. But there are issues. He comes from like a pretty a pretty crazy family. Like uh very, very unhealthy stuff growing up. A lot of addiction. A lot of terrible disrespect. You've witnessed some of it. You know you, you know his family. You've been over there. You've seen some of, it, some of it. He talks about it. He critiques it. And you can see how it scarred him. He's kind of wounded from it. A lot of just really bad stuff at home. And you're concerned because every once in a while you see elements of that in him. You see a little bit of his father. Like terrible things that his father says he does like mini versions of. And that scares you. And it should scare you. If you're thinking, I may be, I'm thinking I'm going to sign up for the rest of my life with this person. And you know you need to deal with it. I don't want to even say confront. You want to you engage it. You want to speak to him about some of this stuff. You know you need to. Like your gut from within, you know what God wants. For that person, Nineveh, is the conversation with this guy. And the the prospect of it is scary. You're afraid. You're afraid of what his reaction might be. You're afraid you might lose him. The prospect of starting all over again, trying to meet somebody else, scares you. And you know what your conscience is saying. You know what God is asking. But you run the other way. So you don't talk to him about it. And uh, I don't know, 12 years later, you're in a very unhappy marriage. And you're, in some respects, he's turned into your your father-in-law. The older he gets, the more he's becoming like the father that he didn't really respect and you've had a couple of kids along the way and they're banged up because of it. Some of them really, in kind of a significant way, they're now old enough to be making seriously stupid decisions. And it kind of all stems from this unhealthy family thing. And you can trace back to like, man, I, I, should, I, should, I should have listened to what God was saying to me. But I was afraid to face it, just like Jonah. It's this whole Jonah principle. That's why editing that piece out of the story was kind of gigantic. I'm not sure why the church didn't include it. So here's the question. Like, what are your marching orders? What is Where does God want you to go? Each of us. and Like I said before, sometimes it's like macro and micro. Sometimes it's big stuff. It's like, should I marry this person? Should I roll the dice and go after this job opportunity? It's scary. Yeah, God sends us to scary places. But I kinda know I need to go for that. Will I? Should we buy this house that almost on paper we don't can't really pay for but I, I think we should do it. Should I should I become a priest? I've been thinking about that on and off for like years. It keeps coming back to me. But then I get scared at the pot, the prospect of it. Like that's like big life changing stuff. Macro. Could also be micro it could be this. Where is does he want of you like tomorrow? Where is he sending you tomorrow? Yeah like that kid in, in class who was treated in in terrible ways by almost everybody. The kid sits alone, laughed at, abused, ignored. And you know in your gut, you could do something to lighten that kid's load. And that's where he's sending you. You know that's where he wants you to be. That's your Nineveh. Or somebody at home that just needs a little bit more respect and appreciation a little more sacrifice toward them and you kind of haven't been doing it. And that's like the the little Nineveh that he's sending us to. God continues to always talk to us. Problem is we just don't always hear his voice. I think, I know I don't always. Hey, there's a lot of voices out there, right? The culture we're living in. And a lot of them, most of them are not of God. They're not good, they're not truthful. Whose voice are we listening to? Showing up on a freezing Sunday night in the dark when we probably don't really feel like being here. We'd rather just kind of stay at home. That can be the difference, people. That can be the difference. Because the more we are here, the better we get at hearing what he wants. And I think the more courageous we become. Because most of the time, we do know what God wants. We do know what's right. And the more we're here, the more we follow. Or we follow a culture with crazy voices, like one that literally edits out that quarterback's words because he mentions Jesus. Okay, no, no, we're not gonna we're gonna make believe that wasn't said. I love that Thomas Merton quote. The light by which we interpret. God's will in our lives, this light, don't edit that light out, find that light and answer his call.